I'm certainly glad you're here this morning with all these uh, illnesses going around, and it's uh, great to see you. I'm going to talk about something I've never talked about before, all right? This is the first time for me in talking about this particular incident in Scripture. But I've had it on my heart for a long time, and I, I wanted to go to it, so maybe you've never heard a message on this text. Uh, we're talking about family. It is a great family moment that we're going to visit in the text in just a second. Next week, I'm going to conclude the Becoming Family series with another strange text from 1 Corinthians that talks about how they did the Lord's Supper back in that early church and the things they were doing that really didn't fit. So we're going to talk about this family meal as we actually observe the Lord's Supper next Sunday and then visit some of those instructions that the Apostle Paul gave to the church in Corinth. Starting on the 18th, we're going to deal with awkward family photos from the Gospel of John. And I picked out seven of these. And just a for instance, here's Jesus talking to this Samaritan woman. And the first thing she says is, what are you doing talking to me? We're going to look at this kind of unusual experience as it is recorded by the gospel writer John. Another one where Jesus confronts Peter by the sea and says, Peter, do you love me? Three times. There are seven of these that we're going to visit from the time between February 18 and Easter. All right? Now, Taylor and I have written daily devotionals for that entire time. The devotionals will start February 12th. So next week and on February 11th, we're going to distribute them in printed form. And you'll also be able to get them by email as well as access them on our website. All right? So we've got awkward family photos starting February 18 and going all the way through Easter, which is April 1st. And I hope that you'll uh, get the devotionals and read along with us because you'll be reading about these snapshots from the life of Jesus and his disciples before I preach on them. So you'll be every day just looking at that, and then we'll be preaching on it that Sunday. All right? Now today, this very important family event is recorded in John chapter 19. So as we go to John 19, you realize we're talking about the last part of Jesus' life. And I'm going to be in verse 25 of John 19. So this is sort of setting the stage for some more preaching from John as well as working our way toward Easter in the springtime. And this is only three verses, all right? But they're important verses and it's an important family event, a key family event, all right? Verse 25 says, this is John 19. I'm in the New International Version. Near the cross of Jesus stood his mother, his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Clopas, 
and Mary Magdalene. Now, I hope you can keep all these Marys straight, all right? There's a number, there's a number of them. So we have four ladies that are listed here. Verse 26. When Jesus saw his mother there and the disciple whom he loved standing nearby, he said to her, Woman, here is your son. And to the disciple, here is your mother. From that time on, this disciple took her into his home. The next verse says that Jesus, realizing that all things were completed, said, I thirst. And he took a drink from the sponge they lifted up and he died. So this is actually the last thing Jesus does in caring for the people around him and the people that he loved in the Gospel of John's account here. Gathered at the cross. Do you know it's interesting? John never uses his own name to refer to himself in his gospel. You know what else is true? He never names his brother, James. You know what else is true? He never names his father, Zebedee. All three of them are named in the other three Gospels frequently, but not in John's Gospel. He prefers to talk about himself as the disciple whom Jesus loved and to keep his family kind of in the background of this Gospel. It's curious, isn't it? Interesting. I want us to gather at the cross this morning. Christians have been doing that, you know, for a long time. Gathering at the cross, kneel at the cross, Christ will meet you there, come while he waits for you. The cross of Jesus Christ is, for believers, the center of our theology. Here it is that Jesus died for our sin to bring us salvation, forgiveness, and create for us Access to God so that we might come into his presence. I want us just to gather here for a minute and see what John describes. The cross is an ugly thing. We glorify it often, but Jesus has been executed on the cross. He's hanging there near death in the scripture that we've read. John looks around and sees the four women. And we suppose there are four. Some people think that one of them is given a title. But it looks to me like there are four women. And the NIV identifies four women here. The other gospel writers identify three women. But they don't mention Mary, his mother. John is the only one that mentions Mary here at the cross. So John sees the four women, he identifies them, and then he hears these words of Jesus. Jesus is taking care of his family as he dies. 
It's an important thing to do. Do you ever think about it? If you get old enough, you start thinking about it. Have I properly cared for my family? What's my mother going to do when I'm gone? Families do this all the time. They think about these things. Another thing that families do is they gather when a loved one is dying. I have very often been part of those gatherings as a pastor. When someone gets close to death as Jesus is here, they will call in all the family members and the family members will assemble around their loved one. In fact, with no conversation about this text, I heard from someone this week who said, we were gathered there when mom died. I mean, that's what you want. You want your family present. You want your loved ones to be there. And guess what? The loved ones want to be there, okay? So some of you may get a call one day that someone you love is near death. And I would say to you, when you process whether you can go or not, whether it is convenient or not, you ought to remember this text where Mary and these other women and John are there at the foot of the cross. You know, I've lived long enough where all my grandparents are gone. I thought I was too busy to get to two of those funerals. I was a young man. I was pastor of a church. I had lots of responsibilities. And grandpa died. And I thought, there's no way I can get away. You know, it's one of the things I regret. That I was too busy to be part of the family gathering there in Pennsylvania for my grandparents on my mother's side. Family responsibilities are important. We demonstrate our love for parents and grandparents and brothers and sisters as we show up when they are on their deathbed. If we're there when they breathe their last. And I have regrets like everybody does about those that I love who died in my absence. I was at my father's deathbed for three days. And then was called away because Janet's aunt was dying. And we left to go attend to her and my father died while I was gone. Now you say, this is grim, this is sorrowful, this is difficult. Well, it's part of life, okay? One of the things that comes through in the scripture is family responsibilities are hard. It's difficult, it's hard. Sometimes it's uncomfortable. To be the son or daughter or husband or wife or parent that you have been called to be. But do you know it's in those hardest moments of life. When you show up. That your mom or dad or grandparents or brothers or sisters know how deeply you love them. 
And sometimes we stay away in the crisis and we're thinking, I don't know what to say to Jesus. He's, he's died on this cross. I mean, I haven't got any words for him. You don't have to have words, friend. You don't have to have words. None of the words of these four ladies are recorded. Nor John's words at the cross. What were they doing there? They were present. They were present. Sometimes you just need to be there. When a family member is hurting, whom you care about, and who cares about, you just need to be there. You don't have to have answers. You need to be there. That's part of being family. They gather at the cross. Jesus takes care of his mother. He assigns her to John, the beloved disciple. He sees that everything is finished. And he dies. Now, consider for a moment where we are. Jesus has just taken care of his mother. And he's died upon the cross. We are at the place where salvation came. In this moment, God has placed all the sin of the world upon his son. He who knew no sin in this moment became sin that we might become the righteousness of God in him. All we, like sheep, have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. But the Lord in this moment has laid upon him the iniquity of us all. In this place, he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And by his stripes, we are healed. So we revisit the cross again and again in our mind and our heart because it's a so important, powerful, central place to be. It's also a family place to be. You know, we have two ceremonies in this family of faith. And one of them is basically an initiation into the family. We call it baptism, right? And here is our big baptistry. See the water? You can see about three inches of water over here, all right? We baptize people. Now, the Scripture says we are baptized by the Spirit into the body of Christ. So when we baptize, although it is a symbol... It is a statement of your public identification with Jesus. And at your baptism, you are incorporated into this visible family of faith. Now, your baptism pictures what happened at the cross. We are buried with him by baptism into his death. So, the baptism is about 
the cross of Christ, about his death for us and his burial and his resurrection. There's one piece of furniture that's required in this household of faith. It's not a pew or a pulpit or a musical instrument. It is what? It's a table, all right? And for 2,000 years, people have been tugging heavy tables into centers of worship. Now, we have a table in the worship center because they had a table in the upper room around which they gathered to celebrate a meal. And a table is the one instrument, the one piece of furniture that intends to put you elbow to elbow and face to face with your family. So we sit around a table. And we enjoy a meal together. So Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, gathered with his disciples around this table and he instituted the meal that we will observe next week. Communion, we call it. Or the Lord's Supper, as the apostle called it in 1 Corinthians, at the Lord's table. A table is a piece of family furniture. What do we remember at the table? As, long, as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you do show what? The Lord's death until he comes. So this is my body broken for you. This is my blood shed for you, represented by this cup, both of the ceremonies that are part of this family of faith remind us of the cross. They bring us back to the cross. Family, there's nothing as inspiring and strengthening for you as going back and seeing the cross. Some of you are in hard times and difficult times. Maybe your faith is wavering. And you wonder if you're really going to be able to hang on. Maybe you've gotten discouraged. Perhaps you are even in despair over things that have happened in your life. And you wonder, where can I go to find strength and help in my time of need? When it feels like I'm at wit's end and at the end of my rope. The writer of Hebrews has pointed you to the very place you need to be said, if you're in the race and you're getting weary, you look to Jesus, the author and the finisher of your faith. Well, I love seeing Jesus in all the different places where he is. So where shall I look and see Jesus when I am stressed and in difficulty and worried about the future? Who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross that's what you do see you go to the cross when you have need in your heart when you feel weak in your knees you go to the cross you plant yourself at the cross and you observe the Lord Jesus as he dies because here you find what it means to be committed what it means to, to persevere and to endure. The cross 
is a symbol of endurance in the Christian life. And the apostle reminds the, the readers of the book of Hebrews, he says, you've not resisted yet unto blood in your striving against sin. You've resisted some and you've persevered some. You've been through some trials and tribulations, but you haven't died yet. So look to Jesus and he will be your strength. The cross is that place of inspiration and strength that God calls us to and draws us to when we ourselves are having tough times. Now, brothers and sisters, I have never practiced what I'm about to say perfectly, okay? In fact, I find it very hard to do. But it's something that Jesus said we were going to do. He said, no one who gives up mother, father, sister, brother, houses, or lands will fail to get more brothers, sisters, mothers, fathers, and lands and eternal life in the life to come. He said, nobody who gives these things up for my sake will fail to get these in abundance in this life and the next. When they said to him, your brothers and your sisters and your mother are here, he said, who is my mother and sisters and brothers? Those who believe in me are my mother and sister and father and brother. That's what Jesus said. In fact, the apostle writes to the church, and he says this, Do not rebuke an older man harshly, but exhort him as if he were your father. Treat younger men as brothers, older women as mothers, and younger women as sisters with absolute purity. In other words, the church of Jesus Christ is to be family to us. Brothers and sisters and fathers and mothers. And what that means is illustrated by Jesus as he says to his mother, woman, which is a term of respect and honor. Behold your son. And he points to John. And then he says to this disciple, Behold your mother. Now think about it for a minute. We're already notified that Mary, the mother of Jesus, has got a sister at the cross. We know that there were brothers and sisters that Jesus had, like James, who became pastor of the early church. Now how that came about is in some discussion, but still, we know he had an extended family. So Mary's got an extended family. But at the cross, Jesus gives responsibility to his aging mother, to John, the beloved disciple, and she goes to his home from that very day. Think about the commitment of that, all right? Have you ever had an aging relative who really needed somebody to stay with? You know how hard that is? You know what adjustment to life that requires? 
Not only for John, but also for Mary. Can you fully grasp what's happening here? The responsibility that is falling upon John as Jesus gives him his mother to care for for the rest of her life. I had someone tell me recently that John, the writer of this gospel and the one who received responsibility for Mary, that he never married. He remained single. Now that's a tradition. We don't know if that's so, but I wouldn't be surprised. Jesus himself was single. Paul was single. It would not surprise me to learn that John was single. Maybe part of his singleness was the responsibilities that he had in this larger family. Though he was not biologically connected to Mary, he became her caretaker. And the idea that he took her to his home, the word care is actually in there. You know, I wish I could tell you that you can connect to people and have a life full of love and, and enjoy the joy and peace of family in the church of Jesus Christ, and you can adopt brothers and sisters, and it will always be so fun to you, and it will never be costly to you to be connected in love to the people you sit next to in the pew. But if I were to tell you that this kind of love that Jesus expects in the church is inexpensive, I'd be lying. It actually costs you very much to connect in love and care to those around you, to really treat them as brothers and sisters, to receive them into your family. And the truth of the matter is, we do this, okay? We do this in foster care and adoption and the care of orphans and, yes, the care of widows. There's some longing inside every human being to be connected to others in intimate and strong bonds of love. It's part of who we are. One of my friends says it's what it means to be a person. That being a person means I want to be in relationships with other people. And if I were to ask, I suppose there would be a unanimous or maybe near unanimous statement in this room. Yes, I want to have strong relationships with other people who love me and who know that I love them. And I want to be like family to them. And brothers and sisters, that would be important to me. And I will say to you, it's important to you because that's how God made you. And it's how Jesus designed his church. And this is the first movement where Jesus is making a connection between two people not connected biologically. That is costly and lifelong. And he says, I want you to take care of my mother. And it is a statement to all of us. That this is the kind of connection God intends in the household of faith. That it is literally. To be like family. The 
The scripture says we are to deepen our love for one another. We are to grow in how much we love each other. I would ask you, are you growing in love? Is that happening in you? And here's what I would say to you. As brothers and sisters in the family of faith, okay? It's work. It's hard work. It's difficult. It's daily. It's continuous to be connected as brothers and sisters in the family to truly care and love for one another. But it's worth it. And there's nothing you will do in this life that brings more meaning and purpose and joy to you than connecting to people this way, taking the responsibility of care for others. When I read this text, I thought, Lord, I want to take good care of my mother. That doesn't make, it makes you want to take good care of your mother, doesn't it? And, and it makes you think about, okay, who's going to take care of the people I take care of now when I'm gone or I can't do it? I mean, it really makes you think about those things. And so the Lord gives us a picture of how we are to operate in the body of Christ. Caring for physical family, absolutely. Is that gospel work when you care for your mother? biological mother yes it is caring for your children and your grandchildren yes that's gospel work that's what God wants us to do that's the calling he's placed on our life families ought to do that and I know we live in a day where families are having a hard time and sometimes families disintegrate I meet people who haven't been connected to their family in a long time but I read this text and I see God wants us to become family. And it is a challenge every day. In 2018, I'm not necessarily asking for good intentions or good plans. What I would like you to do is this. I would like you to act like a brother or sister, father or mother, son or daughter, to someone in the circle of your faith community, that you would do it, not just think about it, not just wish for it, but that you would do it. We feel inept at this. We feel ill-prepared. We're not sure how to enter into a conversation even sometimes with people. And connecting up with them like this where we become family, that's hard for us to imagine sometimes. And the only way to make progress in it is to do it. To pick up the phone and start checking on people. That widow that you know who needs somebody to care for her, to just do it. That child you know that needs a male presence in his life to just do it. It's the act, the action. Scripture says don't be hearers of the word only, but doers. 
If you just hear it and don't do it, you deceive yourself into thinking you're making progress. You know, 2018 would be an amazing year for us if we would simply decide we're going to do this. We're going to develop greater hospitality. We're going to invite people that we know somewhat into a greater circle of love and intimacy in our home. We are going to strengthen these connections that we know we need to make. And we are going to pay the price to be the kind of brothers and sisters that God has called us to be in the body. It's a great opportunity for the church of Jesus Christ in an era when family has struggled so hard, when nuclear families have come apart, when people sometimes wonder if they have anybody in the world who would really be a brother and sister to them. It's a great opportunity for we who know Jesus to reach out in love and open our arms and open our heart and say, yes, I'll be your brother. Some of you know Emmett Galloway. He was a deacon here for a long time. He moved off on the bayou. I miss him. We used to go fishing. Emmett used this language all the time. And he's always had an adopted brother. He didn't have a physical brother, he said. So he always had an adopted brother. When I was with him in the boat, I was his brother. And he used that language and he treated me that way. When I read the New Testament, and when I see Jesus at the cross, I realize John got it. <laughs> he understood. And the rest of those 12, they understood. We are family. And as family, we love one another, care for each other, even when it's hard and expensive. And the act of caring and loving for one another, it doesn't get done today or at sunset or tomorrow. It is an ongoing work of love and the Holy Spirit in my life and the life of the church of Jesus Christ. And there's nothing that we do that has greater reward than this. Bow with me, please. Father in heaven, we see this picture of John receiving Mary as his mother. And God, we, we feel humbled and inadequate and unsure that we could do that, that we could care like we should and bear that burden make those adjustments and pay that price and yet Lord you came to us as a servant you came not to be ministered to but to minister you told us this we are reminded God that the greatest in the kingdom is the servant of all. And Lord, we confess it's not easy for us.
to bend down and get the towel and clean up the mess and be the servant even to those we love. But God, we pray that by your Holy Spirit you would set a spark of understanding in us of the joy there is in serving like Jesus served us. And Lord, that you might make this practical for us. That you could open our heart and life to someone in this new year that needs love and care and that we could minister to them as brothers and sisters in the church of Jesus Christ. And Lord, that nobody in the pew, in the family, would feel like they've been left out, overlooked. But instead, God, that love would pour upon us so fully and freely in this year that we would connect one another in love more powerfully than ever before. And all the family needs will be met and the joy will flow. Lord, we pray for it. We ask you to do it in us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.